0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Shut up and sit down.
2: All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunter Chronicles podcast brought to you again by Tacticam. Tacticam is the easiest way to record your hunt, whether you're just reviewing your hit or making a full on production. Tacticam's going to have something for you. Uh, they got the simple, easy to use, economical solo uh, to the high powered 4K 5.0 Tacticams. Um, so they've got something for everybody. And you know, if Frank and Ernie can figure it out and film a hunt, um, with multiple cameras, uh, using the tactic cams. Um, you know, you know, it's gotta be pretty easy to use. So, uh, actually I just uploaded their, uh, Ernie's Turkey hunt. Um, so you can go see, um, that up on our YouTube page. Um, just Bow hunter chronicles. Uh, you, you search that, uh, on YouTube and you'll be able to, uh, you'll be able to check that out. Uh, this week we're talking again with Jason Semkoviak from the traditional bow hunting and wilderness podcast. Um, Jason is, uh, you know, he's a traditional bow hunter, lots of information, had him on recently to talk, um, bow hunting tips, tricks, and we ended up talking a little bit about gear. Uh, but I want to bring him back, uh, specifically right now, uh, to talk about gear because, you know, you may have some extra time on your hands, you may have some stimulus money, you may be saying, you know, what do I need to do? I found myself um, in a mountain of uh, hunting clothes from late season, bow season, um, and, and trying to figure out what I needed for turkey season and just going through my pack and my turkey vest going, man, why do I need all this stuff? What do I need? Um, so I thought it'd be a good time, you know, to bring Jason on and just talk about some of the essential gear that he carries with him on each each trip. And um, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, Jason carries a lot of stuff um, in his pack as a regular, um, you know, we talked to Dan Infault and fault uh, and, you know, there's some guys that are extremely minimalist. If it doesn't fit in their pocket, it doesn't go no matter how far they're going. Um, Jason's kind of on the other side of that spectrum. Uh, but he, he kind of outlines everything that he carries and kind of why, um, so you get an idea of why he's carrying it and then you can make your own decision, um, from that. Uh, we also kind of delve into the everyday carry kind of um you know knives uh, and uh, a little bit of firearms as well and calibers and and philosophies and stuff like that so towards the end there um, it kind of shifts to a, a little bit different I think it's the first time we've really discussed any any firearms on here um, so Kind of interesting, kind of a, a deviation. Uh, John's not on this podcast. We tried to get him on through Zoom. Jason doesn't have a good internet, so I was trying to do a phone call and a Zoom um, all in, and I wasn't uh, technically savvy enough to make that happen, so it's just Jason and I. Um, so I think you guys are really going to l- love this episode. Um, I just want to say, uh, give a shout out to our newest Patreons, uh, Blake uh, Lockheed and John Hubbard. Uh, both our Northern Michigan guys, one up in, in Grand Marais in the UP, uh, the other up in Traverse city. So, um, you know, if we ever get on the other side of this coronavirus, uh, social distancing thing and by some grace of God, we get the, uh, total archery challenge, uh, go ahead, green light. Um, that's right up there by Traverse city. So maybe we'll get to, uh, get to, uh, meet up with Blake up there, but, um, we'll see. And so those guys are, are now in the running for our quarterly Patreon giveaways. And, uh, this one we're giving away that, um, uh, Traeger 575 pro series pellet grill. Um, so, and we split up our, our prizes. So we're going to be giving a, giving away that, uh, Tacticam solo package, and then a, uh, pro pack from uh base map with a base map year subscription and, uh, some, some swag from that as well. And, um, you know, if you haven't tried Base Map, you should go over and check that out. They give away, um, you know, awesome prizes every week, uh, whether you whether you have their free version or not. Um, they actually give away gear through their gear drop, uh, and it basically teaches you how to use their software and use the different layers and, and all that stuff. And you can do that all just for free. Um, you can check that out at Base Map. I think it's Base Map app. Dot com, uh, but you just Google base map, and uh, you'll be able to find that. And then if you do want to, um, you know, uh, try that out. There's a code you can use: lowercase chronicles, uh, and it'll save you. Uh, I believe it's twenty five percent off of that, so it ends up being like twenty four dollars for the year. Um, and that's for the entire country, so it's really awesome. Um, you know, go ahead and check that out. And then we're also giving away so. Jason Temkoviak has a uh, bow hunting whitetails course. It's like a comprehensive video course, and uh, we gave that away the last quarter. And uh, the winner actually um, was already subscribed to it. So John, he said, you know, go ahead and uh, run it back and, and give it away to one of the patrons. So um, we're going to be giving that away. So you got four chances to win, and there's basically like less than 50 people. So you have a, 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 a less, a greater than four and 50 chance. So that's like what, one out of every 12 and a half people is going to win, uh, something. So it, those are some pretty good, pretty good odds. Um, to win and you can check that out at uh, bowhunterchroniclespodcast.com. Click on the Patreon link or you can go to patreon.com forward slash bowhunterchronicles and and check out what that's all about. But if that's not your thing, you know, no big deal. Um, You know, you're listening to the podcast right now. Leave us a review. Let us know what uh, what we're doing well, what we can improve on, uh, what you think of the podcast, because that's the only way that we can we can get better. And uh, and then go ahead and tell a friend. So tell tell somebody I mean, um, I know, I know John, uh, he had John, the new Patreon, John Hubbard, he, he found this through, uh, some of our past guests and some of our friends, uh, uh Pat Casey. So, um, you know, just get out there and, and tell somebody else about the podcast and, uh, you know, have them check us out on, uh, social media or, um, you know, just, just download, you know, tell them to find us wherever, wherever podcasts are found. Um, but we do appreciate everybody that listens, uh, everybody that follows along, all the messages, all the feedback that we get. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you, and thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. All right. Hey, everybody. Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Um, we've got Jason Koviak on the line, had John on, uh, but we were having some technical difficulties doing the the zoom patching in john and uh so it's just going to be jason and i this evening um last time we had jason on we talked hunting strategy and we we delved a little bit into gear and um i've been listening to i I wanted to get jason back on to talk um some some gear um but if you've listened if you follow along with his podcast and, and you you definitely should um I felt like there was kind of almost like a shift in his, uh, his content a little bit lately. Um, guy, a little bit more, you know, it's the traditional bow hunting and wilderness podcast and having that, that wilderness moniker in there, there's, you know, kind of room for, uh, everything. And it seemed to go into a little bit of a, preparation, everyday carry knives, and it was kind of gear heavy. And it kind of got me saying, man, I I'd really like to talk to Jason again. So, um, that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to leave out the, the, um, climbing systems, tree stand saddle, and just kind of go for like a, what's in your pack and, and, and priority type, uh, type stuff. Um, so, so how are you doing tonight, Jason?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Everything's nice. Weather's finally breaking here. You're in Michigan too, so you see it, but finally, it's uh, you know, finally t-shirt weather here. So that's a good sign getting outside, getting things done and uh, trying to make it happen.
2: Right. Right. So, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit real quick about your, uh, your, your podcast that I alluded to with like the gear preparedness and, and that sort of stuff. Um, You know, is it safe to say there's been like a, a more of a, uh a leaning that way in the more recent podcast
1: well i do it every year and i i specifically named it that the traditional bull hunting and wilderness podcast uh, off the bat, I named it that reason because of the fact that I knew there wasn't going to be enough just to cover traditional bull hunting. I mean, I'd have been done in, you know, uh, in 50 episodes. I mean, you can you can't do 50 hours on just traditional bull hunting without being repetitive, you know. So I wanted to give myself that that luxury of being able to extend it out. Plus, there's so many other things that I am into. So what I do is usually from usually from about mid July all the way through, you know, through November, even until about December. Uh, or about Christmas even, I usually focus real heavy hardcore on the hunting stuff. um and then from you know January first on, I start to kind of deviate a little bit and throw a mixture of stuff in there and usually summertime like this, um I throw it, it's it's a mixed bag it's 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 a sock drawer. you know, I don't know what I'm talking about or what it is, but it's a lot of random stuff and I do still throw hunting stuff in there as well too. It, you know the hunting is it's it's still any way you cut it it's about hunting and 25% other stuff but during the summertime is when I get 25%. So I cover EDC stuff, camping stuff, uh, uh, vehicle maintenance, uh, you know, how to, uh, you know, um, EDC stuff in your cars, how to do things around your house, uh, you know, sustainable lifestyles, you know, Um, anything that relates to how I think people want to live. And what they want to do and the things they're into, bull fishing, you know, all that stuff. I try to cover a good gamut of all that kind of stuff in the summertime. Give people a little something else to play with.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, and I, I just felt kind of like, um, you know, personally, as I was, you know, my turkey season started yesterday. Um, and as I was getting stuff ready and and kind of starting to wrap my head around that, I had this just pile of, of hunting stuff in, in my garage and I was going through my packs and I was moving gear from here. And what did I do with that head net? And you know, where are those gloves? And you know, where's all my calls? Where's all this stuff? Oh, do I need a thermosel? Oh, it's, you know, going to be still cold. Do I need the hot hands, all this stuff. Um, and I feel like, you know, with, turkey hunting with decoys and, you know, with filming and everything, I feel like a gypsy as I go out there. And, uh, I, I was thinking, you know, how much of this stuff do I really need? And then, you know, right now we've got a lot of, t- a lot of guys, uh, guys, gals, you know, people, uh, have got a lot of time on their hands, you know, cause we're kind of stuck indoors and, you know, maybe they're, going to take this time to kind of reorganize, you know, reevaluate kind of some of their gear, um, that sort of thing. Um, uh, and maybe they got their stimulus money and they're saying, well, I'm going to use some of that for hunting gear. Um, you know, where would I spend my money, et cetera. Um, so like I say, without going into stand sticks, you know, broadheads, arrows, you know, we kind of already went through all of that, um. You know, what are the things that you prioritize, like, for your style of hunting? First of all, what is that? And then what are the things that you make sure you have in your pack, not ancillary, the things that are in there that you take on every single hunt, no matter if it's the 30 minutes before work or the, you know, four-mile-into-the-woods Georgia swamp hunt? Well, I got—I basically— <clears throat> I'm
1: running, I mean, you're basically just two different packs. That, well, three different packs set up. Um, I run a pack for my Michigan whitetail hunting um, because of the fact that I'm not dragging deer. Or I mean, I'm putting deer in a jet sled and bowling them out. I'm not usually packing them out on a frame pack. And if I do, um, then I can come back to the truck and grab that frame pack. Um, so I have one pack set up for all my Michigan hunting and, I, you know, deer hunting. I use it whether it's for a two-hour hunt or if it's for an all-day sit. It doesn't make any difference. Then my second pack system is the one I bring on all my out-of-state trips where I'm for sure packing animals out. And uh, I want to be able to have that frame pack in the woods with me. So if I kill one, I can get down, pull my stand down, grab my sticks, my stands, put them on my pack, blood trail that animal, find it, cut it up, put it inside that pack on the frame pack with my stick, stands, pack everything back to the car, drop the deer off at the truck, do all that stuff, and then head right back in the woods and go hunting again. Um, So I have that system. And then the, the still hunting stuff, like in Georgia, South Carolina, the stuff I'm doing there for the pigs is a whole nother pack system. Um, that's a lot lighter, simpler. Now I'm taking things from one pack and putting it in the next. It's not like they're duplicates and set up, but I mean, that's, those are my three systems that I have to, that I, I have to switch to, uh, regardless of what those types of trips are. Um, so, I mean, as far as the packs themselves, you know, I mean, I, I use, uh, uh, for my home stuff here in Michigan, I don't think as far as a day pack goes, like an actual non-framed, they do have internal stays. But as a non-framed pack, um, I don't think you can beat the uh, the Kuyu Venture twenty-three hundred. I love that bag; it is the best bag I have ever owned. Um, for that, the pocket layout is absolutely phenomenal. The quality and build of it is phenomenal. It's so lightweight; the thing weighs like a pound and a half. That um, it's just incredible. It's it's an awesome pack for like two hundred dollars. Um, so I love that pack. That is my go-to um, hunting pack for, like I said, all my Michigan stuff or anything where I'm not packing animals out with me. Um, that That's the pack system. When I head out to uh, the out-of-state trips, uh, I've always used, uh, for the last four years, I've been using an XOK 2000 bag. I straight up love it with a frame, titanium frame. I did just buy a new Mystery Ranch Pintler pack, which is just a hair bigger, and I'm gonna try that this year. Um, but I mean, you know, I'm, so I, I, haven't packed animals out on that one yet, but that actually has been incredible. And I got real high hopes for this, uh, this, uh, mystery ranch, uh, Pintler. And then, uh, for the stuff that I'm doing, the the, um, you know, the still hunting in Georgia and that kind of stuff, I want to be really lightweight. So I'm just using a camelback mule, uh, mule LR, I think it's called, but it's just a small little, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 cubic inch, very little mountain biking backpack is what it is. Um, or, you know, yes, designed for mountain bikers, but, uh, it holds my essentials. I need, it's got really good airflow for the hot days down there. So, you know, air gets between my back and I don't sweat real bad and, uh, it's tucked out of the way real small and holds everything I need. So those are my three pack systems that I have to go through in a, in a hunting year.
2: And what's the common denominator in those packs? So, like I say, every single time you go out hunting, like what are the items that are in each one of those regardless of of circumstance
1: yep um binoculars are a given um you know I always have my binoculars I, I I don't ever I don't ever hunt without binoculars I, I don't wear them a lot when I'm scouting things like that but when I'm looking for animals and I'm hunting there is always a pair of binoculars um when I'm tree stand hunting I choose to leave them in my pack until I get there because I don't want to scratch them going up and down the sticks you know, if I do something stupid, if you're hanging around my neck and I don't want to, I don't want to scratch the lenses. So I leave them in my pack till I get up there. Um, but binoculars are in every single pack I have. Um, or They're always with me. Um, I always have a good knife with me, like a, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where I'm going, but I always got like an SE number four or a uh, tops, um, you know, Brothers of Bushcraft, uh, five inch, you know, four and a half inch. But I always keep a good solid fixed blade with me because I do, I'm, I'm hunting wilderness areas, even though it's up here up north, um, you know, I mean, I can be, there's times where I'm at up here between here and, you know, south of Grayling, I can be 15 miles from a house, you know, it could be pretty crazy. So I want to be able to have the stuff I need to stay out there overnight, which isn't a lot, but um, so I, I always have a good knife with me. I always have a compass with me. I always have a GPS with me, that GPS, at Garmin 64, I really like it. So Uh, And it works really good in the heavy swamps. You know, you get that real thick over over cover, overgrown stuff. And uh, it still penetrates through there real well and works good. Um, And uh, so I always have that. Uh, I always have a lot of lighters. They're spread through all the pockets in there again, just because, you know, in case I'm stuck out there for whatever reason. Uh, What else do I carry all the time? I always try to have a couple of snack sticks like uh, the Jack Links or something like that or, you know, like Slim Jim type beef jerky sticks. I like having those in there. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think what else uh, I always carry my Havalon is always in there with me. Cause I like that it's quick and easy. I don't use it for gunning animals, but I use it for all the boning out that I do. It's just really fast. And I can just swap that blade really quick, especially when you're doing it in the rain. You know, there's nothing, nothing more of a pain in the butt than, you know, being bent over, you know, bent over and, and, you know, boning a deer out in the middle of a pouring storm. So that Havalon just lets you really keep moving fast and get through it quick um so that and i have what i call what i call my kill kit you know it's just a a pint size or quart size ziploc bag and it's got that it's got uh two or three pairs of uh nitrile rubber gloves in there it's got a couple of those little disposable wet wipes you know they come in individual packs and it's got that havalon in there and uh three replacement blades i also carry an azula in my pocket or something a knife so there's always a knife in my pocket um headlamp there's always a phoenix uh hm 50r or whatever it is i did a review on it but i love that light i like zebra lights i use them for a long time um and then when i bought the that phoenix i bought what their pre-model to this one i bought it is a is a light that was on sale for like 40 bucks and i thought you know what i just need it for bow fishing uh while i'm in the boat to be able to tie tie knots and stuff like that i'm like i'm gonna just get this one so i bought that other predecessor phoenix one and i fell in love with that liked it um when they came out with this new one that, that uh, one they came out with a year and a half or so ago that I reviewed, I, I love that. I've been using it since. I think I got four of them now. They're they're incredible. It's the best headlamp I've ever used, and it blows the doors off the zebra lights. So for a single cell. Um, and uh, so I love that headlamp. I always carry Eagle Tack flashlights. I always have a double cell. It doesn't matter for Eagle Tac, Phoenix, Surefire, what it is, but always have a good flashlight in your pack, somewhere close and easy to get to. Um, Because I know a lot of guys aren't going to carry a flashlight in their pocket. I always carry a flashlight in my pocket too. But um, those headlights, the batteries go out. And the last thing you want to do is have to be shuffling in the dark through your pack to find it. Because you're probably going to be kicking other things out and you're going to lose gear. So have that flashlight somewhere. I keep mine on every pack has a little water or bladder clip on the top. On the inside, well, I connect my lanyard to my flashlight right there. So all I have to do is open it up and grab that light. I got it handy all the time. Um, so that's in there. I always carry uh um recently for last year or so I, I learned this trick and I've been doing it, but I carry a piece of fat wood with me, a stick of fat wood. It weighs next to nothing. Um, it's about the size of a pencil, but man, is it one heck of a fire starter in the rain. Um, you can make a cool little tinder bundle match set with it. It's pretty cool. Um I might I think I did a video on it um in some of my survival stuff. I'm not quite sure. But uh if not, maybe I'll even do one. But uh it's it's a uh it's a it's like a storm match that you make that in the middle of pouring rain will just burn and burn and you can light with it. And it's pretty awesome. So I carry one of those. Um, God, I'm trying to think of what else I, I carry. Um, I always have my harness, obviously if I'm in tree stands, my harness, my, my and belt, I like them in my pack because usually when I'm going in, I'm going through briars, stickers, nasty stuff, things like that. And, uh, especially in some of the other States like Missouri and, Things like that. I mean, some of the bedding areas I'm going into there, if I was wearing anything, other, if I was wearing fleece or anything like that, um, you got so many burrs stuck to everything you got, you can't even work your clothes. You know, you can't even, it, you, you might as well be wearing Velcro. You know, it gets so bad. So I like making sure my pack or my harness and everything stays in my pack till I'm at my tree so I don't get it covered up with all the burrs. Um, and uh, I always carry extra straps. I carry four. Nylon one-inch straps, the same as what our tree stands and our climbing stick straps are, but I turned, I tied them into loops, and I got four different loops, uh, so if I get into trees that are too big, I can actually extend those straps real quick, just by wrapping them right through the end of that loop and uh, locking them on and using those, so those are always with me. I always carry water. I always have water with me, and like I said, a little bit of food. Um, toilet paper is essential do not ever not have toilet paper. Um, You know, not only for mother nature calls and things like that, but it is the best for tracking Um, because you can put it, you can reach up and put it high. You can see it from a long way and you do not have to go back to get it. Um, You know, there's nothing worse than, and I see it up here, public land. I see the flagging tape so many places and I pull it down every time I see it, but it upsets me so much that I'm, walking through the woods scouting and I see a line and then I have to take 200 yards of my time and follow his line to go pull his crap down because he left it there and he marked a blood trail of flagging tape. Um, so toilet paper, way better. You put it up, leave it, the rain washes it down, it's biodegradable, it's gone. Um, so always have the toilet paper set up like that. I actually do mine in two parts in one bag. Like I'll take my hand on a regular roll of toilet paper and I'll roll around my hand and get a, you know, get a whole bunch of it, whatever, let's say there's uh, um, 15 feet of it. And then I'll take that and I stick that in the bottom of the bag. And then I do the same thing again with a 10 foot and then another thing with like a five foot piece. And I put them in a the bag that way. So that way I'm not taking the whole thing out at once, especially again, if you're blood failing in the rain or you got to go to the bathroom in the rain, you don't want to wreck that. And I hunt in the rain all the time. So it's one of those things you learn. Don't, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put (laughs) your toilet paper where you're going to soak the whole thing in one shot. So, um, and and, you know, I mean, as we go, I'll probably think of some more stuff, but off the top of my head, that's, uh, um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I'm, I'm not, there's probably more that I'm not thinking of, but, uh, Then I'll come to, I usually have to carry a battery pack as well, too, because I usually do a lot of filming on my cell phone, um, you know, for videos that I'm making for uh, tree stand tips and things like that. So um, I do carry one of those little uh, battery chargers for your cell phone. I always have one of them in my pack so I can use it to recharge um, if I start wearing a battery down. Uh, You know, uh, pills are a good thing, too. Um, If, you know, as far as pills, I always carry Tums um, because I like pop once in a while, but pop always gives me heartburn. Um, so I like having uh, Tums in my backpack. And I like having Motrin in there uh, in case I get a headache or something like that. Um, I make people laugh at me, but I do usually carry a couple band-aids. I got a little first aid kit. Uh, that's about the size of a cell phone. about It's about the size of a thick wallet is what it is. Um, but it carries... All of the essential items I need. I actually did a video on that as well, too. Where you got, uh, you know, I always carry a survival blanket, one of those space blankets. Those are mandatory. I carry two of them: one to be on the ground for when it's raining, for that uh, to get you off the wet ground, and the other one to use it as a shelter above me when it's raining. I can use it to wrap up. And if I need to out there, um, I've even used them for uh, when I'm actually boning out animals as well too. Um, I can put, lay that out like a tarp and I just stick a stick in all four corners to lock it down. And I got almost my own table that I can set the meat on and everything like that as I want to, um, you know, so, and then I I've, I've roll it right up in there and use it almost like a game bag if I don't have a game bag with me. So, so many different uses for those kind of things. Um, and uh, water purification tablets, I make sure I have those constantly also, because I always have a water bottle or a pop bottle or a Gatorade bottle or something with me, but having something to purify water again, you know, if I got, I don't think I'd ever have to spend more than one night in the woods if I did get lost or something like that. And I've been out there a couple of times overnight because I've been on following deer in a snowstorm um, and they're, they're you know, gut shot and I'm not going to let them get away from me because it's snow, you know, I'm up here in a snow belt. I mean, we could get a foot of snow in, in a in a six hour period here, and all it takes is a quarter inch to hide a blood trail. So um, you know, there's been times where in December I've shot deer and that hit wasn't perfect. And I start to blood trail them because of the snow, and then I get there and I see eyes ahead of me 150 yards up there shining in my headlamp. It's like, oh man, well, I can't leave. I can't, I can't back out of there because he'll be covered with the eight inches of snow coming. So I'm literally stuck staying my distance, but where I can see him. And sometimes that could be eight hours, you know? Um, so I've I've had a couple of those over the years, you know, where you're just, you can't, you can't not be with them. You know, you can't shoot them. Can't do anything. You're after legal hours. Uh, the only thing you can do is stay with them until they die. And you have to, you know, you can't give them too much room to get away or, or you'll lose them. So having the stuff to get you through that kind of thing is a, is a nice thing to have in your pack too. So, um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? I mean, I'm sure I'm <laughs> missing some stuff.
2: Well, it, it, and that's kind of why I wanted to 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 bring it up with you because I know you have uh, quite the affinity for gear, and the reviews that you do are incredible. Um, but like I said, I, I watched a review of that Pentler pack, and it was like you're you just kept taking more stuff out and more stuff out and more stuff out, and you know, there's guys that you know they say, well you know, like Dan Infault, if it doesn't fit in my pockets, I'm not, I'm not going to bring it. Um, and and I just wondered if there was a difference between, you know, the amount of the gear that you brought, um, you you know, for those different situations, or if, uh, the, the, the amount of kit that you brought was so robust, so robust, uh, regardless. But, um, from that, there's like a, a bunch of different questions. Um, that i had so for those headlamps uh you kept saying one cell two cell etc so are those um they they take normal batteries or um rechargeable batteries
1: well you can get them to take well they take both i mean you can get both even in a cr123 now they have rechargeables um but i like the cr123 batteries better than a double a's uh, because the double A's you gotta buy lithium in order to use them in a the winter. A regular double A will not work in a winter. It might work for 15 minutes, but here where I'm at, that's about all you'll get. So lithium batteries are most important. And for me, I like the CR-123s. So all my lights take CR123 batteries, which I buy in bulk on Amazon. I buy them by a hundred pack at a time. Um, because I use them for so many different lights. You know, I'm I'm always running headlamps. I even like i i exercise at night after everybody goes to bed at one o'clock in the morning i get out and i either go scout through the woods or i walk i live in a woods, so i got a loop a three mile loop that takes me down my subdivision cuts through the woods a mile and a half back to my house and i exercise that route so i'm using headlamps all the time so i'm burning through batteries a lot um but i like to see our 123 when i say a one cell that means it takes one battery two cell means it takes two batteries so you're getting double the power um is the big difference in there and as far as uh, packs, I know it sounds like a lot of stuff but I I remember I weighed my pack last year with my harness with my alignment belt with my binoculars with everything in there I think it was 14 and a half pounds was what my pack was and that was what that was fully loaded with everything so it may sound like a lot of stuff but realistically, um, As you see, when I pull it out of that pack, it's mostly bulkier. It's clothes and the harness and the things like that. But realistically, you figure four pounds harness, you figure two pounds binocular. You, let's say I'll bet gear-wise of actual gear I take in the woods with me, I'm gonna say it's probably about five pounds. You know, total is what I'm actually carrying gear-wise when you take the weight of the pack out and that kind of stuff. So it may sound like a lot, but it's really not too much. The heaviest thing that I carry is my binoculars. And my uh that that one knife that I won't go without, you know, that four-inch uh SE number four or that uh that brothers of bushcraft knife. But I just don't feel comfortable being in the woods without a knife that I know I can shelter build and do any anything I need to with, it's there. If I break a leg and I need to make splints, if I need to do anything, I, I have that knife capability. So I like carrying it. But I would say probably, you know, gear-wise, it's about five pounds of gear three pounds per pack plus my, uh, you know, my harnesses, my water and my binoculars and that knife. So it's it's really not a lot.
2: And so let's, let's talk a little bit about that, that Havalon, because um so for uh, when you first got that, like what, or when you first saw those come out, what, what were your thoughts on them? Cause personally, like I am more along the same ideas as you um, with, uh most things um you know large fixed blade you know if you've ever looked at or read about or dipped your toes into any sort of bushcraft or anything like that you know you'll you'll see real quickly of 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 the type of knife that uh Jason's talking about and then um so when they first came out with these replaceable blade knives I thought well, what a stupid idea what happens if i don't you know if if I wreck the blade, if the channel gets caught, you know, plugged up with stuff or anything like that. And I've got one of the the outdoor edge EDC razor lights or something like that. And uh I, I mean I'm just blown away by it. I mean, you know, holds an edge, you know, sharp, fairly robust. Um but when they first came out until I actually used one, I thought, man, what a dumb idea. <laughs> So, you know, yeah. be, being a knife guy, how did you end up using one of those? Well, if you
1: go back, I mean, I've been doing a podcast nine, almost nine years now, eight years, something like that. And if you go back to the first couple of years, um, I have probably, there's probably 10 episodes where I rip on a Havalon and a replaceable blade knife. Like I'm like, listen, if you don't know how to sharpen a knife, you have no business being in the woods. This is, this is a cheat, you know, this is a joke, you know, that was my attitude towards it it was that way for a long time. And then I bought one and I bought it basically because I just wanted to see what the hype was about, but never thought I'd use it. And I came to the simple conclusion, which is exactly what I have today. Um, And that conclusion is that a a replaceable blade, a replaceable knife or blade knife is not a knife by my opinion whatsoever. What it is, a Havalon to me is a scalpel. It is not a knife. Um, I would never carry one, you know, for other than, Processing animals, it would never be something I'd EDC. It would never be anything that I would rely on, and uh, it's never anything I would use for anything other than uh, taking apart animals. So for me, um, it is an incredible tool. Don't accept the bolt. I do not like. I've had two of the bolt models. They they make a Havilon bolt. They make a Havilon piranha. and then they make like twelve different versions. Um, I really like the straight scalpel handle one that they sell or you can get on Amazon. Um, you know, and it's, I, I use that one a lot. It's always in my my one uh, frame pack. Um, but in there, I like the Prana model. The bolts. Um, I have two bolts and then I bought two other ones that I gave away as gifts for friends. And every one of them, the bolt one of the handle scales is cracked at the, at the head of it um you know it's cracks over time with use. now we're not babying them and i am trying to go i i mean I'm, I'm in a hurry so i'm 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 really wrenching on them. i mean i pop blades off of them all the time because i'm using them like you're not supposed to or too hard um so maybe we did something but i'm not a fan of the bolt model because of that, you know that crack up by the main pivot point that always ends up being there. Now the Piranha, I've never yet had that happen, and that was the first one I bought. So and I've been using it still. Um, so I, I really like the Prana models. They're nice and they're compact and they're small, um, and they actually fit inside. I don't carry the Havilon case. Uh, instead, I actually put the Prana bolt right inside of that plastic tube that your blade, your spare blades come in and so i put that i put the uh, prana with a fresh blade on it and three new blades and i stick them right in that little plastic tube put the cap on it throw it in a court size ziploc bag with my gloves and my uh wet wipes and uh and i always stuff a game bag in there too as well um you know game bags i i carry a lot. i always got game bags but if you if you don't want to buy game bags another nice thing too because i carry them all the time for friends because they never have game bags and should um, but uh, extra large pillowcases—you find them at like Walmart or the dollar store on sale. They work fantastic. They're like incredible game bags. And when you're done with it, take it home, throw it in a five-gallon bucket with some water and a little bleach, and then pull it out a half hour later and fold it up, and you're all done. They're sweet and simple and cheap. Um, but that—that's my thought on the Havlons. I, I, don't, I don't think of them as an actual knife. I think of them as a replaceable blade scalpel, specifically designed for game, you know, taking apart animals for fine tuning around the eyelids, uh, it, you know, anywhere I would use a scalpel for, that's what I would do. Uh, but when you're processing and boning an animal out, if I do it with a regular knife, um, and I don't care what super steel you got, any of that kind of stuff, when you start grinding them into bones and you start peeling meat off the bones and boning them out, it, it doesn't matter what the steel is, you're gonna dull it out to the point where you're gonna have to work harder on the last half than you did on the first half. And that Havilon prevents that from happening. I can work through that thing and I get about halfway I get one half quartered out or boned out and all done and by then if I need to swap that blade out I will or believe it or not is, is you know I actually carry a, a little ceramic steel with me too and I'll take that that same blade that's on that havillon and I'll just rub it a couple times on that uh on that ceramic rod and bring that edge back and finish out the last part of the deer but it's so nice to not have to um, worry about actually sharpening a knife if I'm working through there especially like I'm bear I can't get through an entire bear with one Havalon blade I can on a doe I can get I can bone out a whole doe on a Havalon blade uh, but if it's a decent sized buck I got to switch to a second blade and it's nice because probably don't have to but again I want to move real fast I mean I can bone that deer out from the time I'm standing over it till the time I'm you know Everything's in my pack, and I'm walking out. It's about 35 minutes, and in order to do that, I need that that blade sharp, and I need it to when I make a cut, I need it to actually do what I want it to. And at Havilon, yeah. lets me do that really, really fast, and in all weather without sharpening a knife.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like I said, I I had heard you talk about them before. I just wanted you know for our listeners, because um, like I say, for me, that's again. Same, same story, like not a knife, just, you know, it's, it's, it's in my pack for a, for a purpose, but it's not like what I'm going to fall back on as my, you know, oh shit, uh, I need a knife, knife. Um, Right. You know, it's just there. Um, I've got a a, a Phoenix uh, headlamp as well. I, uh, I'm fairly... I don't know, I guess I look at it from a practical standpoint. I mean, I know how you use, um, you know, you you outlined why you use the the CR23 uh, batteries. I tend to go with the AA versions um, just because I feel like I always find myself in BFE hunting. And any time that I've had to try and look for a a battery, it's not there. But I know that I'm going to be able to find... uh, a double A battery, just the same as you know. My handguns are nine millimeter, and my shotguns are twelve gauge because the ammo is going to be available at the hardware store. Versus, you know, if you're shooting a, you know, forty or, or not forty, but ten millimeter, which everybody wants a ten millimeter, and it's like ammo is. You know, you're like the hardware stores around here, you're not going to be able to find that. So I just look at it from a, a, a practicality availability standpoint and AA batteries are available.
1: <laughs> yeah. And with the 10 millimeter thing too, I, I have both. And I, I, again, I'm with you. Carry the nine, the 10 millimeter, try carrying that thing. It's, it's twice the size, has twice the weight. The thing's a brick. You know, I love mine, uh, but it goes in and outside the waistband holster, you know, rig. Then it not, not like a carry rig, you know? Mm-hmm yeah but with the flash or with that the double A batteries, you're right. you don't always find c r one twenty threes. Now you can find them, you know the really the only place I had a problem with, believe it or not, was in Vero Beach, Florida. We were down there, and we were out crab hunting at night on the beaches and watching you know the kids were out there were picking crabs and catching them and stuff like that. We weren't keeping them. We were just the kids were little. And we were playing. so this was a few years ago, but we were out there and we could not. I had three headlamps with me. And I had a dozen batteries. Well, after three nights of this, we blur- burned through all those batteries. And I went to go buy some more, and there were none. We couldn't find them anywhere. It was pretty shocking um, that it wasn't there. We ended up having to buy some double A battery $12 flat headlamps to get us through the rest of that. But normally, knowing that I can't find lights like that or batteries like that in some places, I mean, I carry a dozen of them in my, my – I have two packs. You know, I have my hunting packs, but then I have what I call my car pack which is basically just a little pouch bag, uh, almost like a, like a fanny pack size bag that carries extra gloves, extra uh, have blades, extra batteries, extra pair of cor- you know, anything I might need um, to replenish my supply, especially like when I'm out of state hunting um, it's not like I can come home and get more stuff. So I want, if, if I, I use a set of gloves, I want to replace them. So I got that replacement bag and in there, I always carry at least a dozen or 18 CR um, CR123 batteries in there And then in every one of my vehicles, I got a dozen of them in here too. So I got these batteries all over, but that's a very good point you make. If you're going CR-123, make sure you have the supply of batteries because not everywhere will.
2: Yeah, and and like I say, you know, personally, like that was one of the things when, when I was in the Marines, every time we would go, and it would be like if you had something odd, you know, inevitably it fails when you need it the most and then you're you're scrambling or whatever or you you've got to carry enough to you know supply yourself and uh, yeah so just available the...
1: yeah and I, I have to carry i carry two extra double a batteries two lithium ones in my pack as well because i carry and in my actual pack i carry two cr123 batteries at all times extras and i carry two double a batteries extra um, I just have them wrapped in a, in a piece of, you know, electrical tape with, and they're sitting inside my little survival bag. But uh, I keep them in there because of the fact that I have to have two A's for my GPS also. So if my GPS batteries start to go out on me, I need those spares. So spare batteries are just a part of life. You're not going to get away from them. But if you can combine, you know, they say if you can get, you know, like in your situation, you could technically carry just two AA batteries. It would work for your headlamp. They'll work for your flashlight, they'll work for your GPS, they'll work for, you know, whatever you want to. For me, my weapon lights, my headlamp, and my flashlights all runs, and, and my thermal, uh, my thermal scope that I use sometimes. I used it this year uh, for finding a doe in December. I love that thing. That thing's amazing. Um, but having that, um, all of those run on CR-123. So that I wish they would make a GPS that ran on CR-123. Uh, so I could just have one battery type, but I still have to carry both double A's for that and a CR one twenty three for everything else.
2: And I think we touched on this last time, but you know, when are you going to switch over to using your phone for, uh, for the GPS mapping?
1: I did it. Uh, I did it right after we talked last time, actually. So it was about (laughs) whatever it was about three months ago. And the reason I did it was, uh, when I, the first time I went to Georgia, I went down there and I had, uh. I did not download any of the maps or anything on GPS. And I was like, ah, you know, and it was just a standard one. And I had zero cell service anywhere in there. I mean, for like within, within, you know, 15 miles of the whole area. I mean, there was just nothing, no option. And so finally I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I broke down and I bought that X and uh, I really like it. I mean, I'm not ready to give up my GPS because I like that I can store everything in my GPS and it's always there and I can transfer it to, my own version of base maps. And I don't like the fact that, you know, I mean, I love the the OnX and I'm a big fan, but what happens when my subscription dies or goes away, or I don't like this, the fact of all that information is not really mine, or maybe I just don't know how to convert it there, but all of my waypoints and stuff from my GPS are also stored in my computer database. So if I lose a GPS or I get a brand new one, it's real easy for me to transfer everything over. I haven't figured that out yet with OnX, so I'm still actually doing both. I'm using OnX for a lot of navigation. I'm using it to mark little things I find along the way, um, but I'm also using my GPS to mark my actual stand sites and uh, things like that and uh, keeping my important data in my GPS and on my computer. But I did start using that OnX, and I do like it. I, I really do.
2: Yeah, we, we've we started using base map, Um since then um it, it's much cheaper uh for the entire uh u.s um but the amount of layers that are on it is is somewhat overwhelming uh, i think with your um uh, just the way that you are with uh scouting e scouting and everything like that it's got all the different google earths and everything and you can you can download your waypoints from Gaia, from Caltopo, from any of that um, right in there. Uh, but I don't know if it would go back and forth um, between Garmin. I, I would imagine that there's got to be an export function for uh, Garmin because you can you can sync up with with Google Earth, with uh, any of that that other stuff. So um, it, certainly, but but I, I know that that would be a question for from the listeners are going to be like you know. you know he could save some batteries if he didn't have a gps and i mean we like i said before like when we went out west we didn't use our gps that was just the just the backup to the backup um at at that point Uh,
1: right yeah what i like the the, i'll be honest what i use my gps for realistically i use it for two purposes um one of them well actually i I should take that back and say i use it for for because if I get to one spot and I want to hunt and I get there and because remember I scout them ahead of time, you know like in the spring, I don't go back to them at all for the whole year um and then so if I'm not going in somewhere new and I'm picking a spot that i I'm already pre scouted if I walk in there and I don't like what's around me and I'm not seeing a sign that I'm liking, it's nice because right there i I can print on my GPS and it'll show me what stands are around me within you know walking distance or how far I gotta drive, but I can see what they are and I can see right there and see what the wind is and What's what? So I like it for that aspect, and I like it for going into those spots in the dark in the morning, um, because then I can walk in, and when I, I turn it on, it leaves me that blue breadcrumb trail, and when I turn around and walk out, I got that breadcrumb trail too, but now what's nice is it saves that route in there, so I can leave it like that, and I'll let those breadcrumb trails accumulate almost over the whole season, and what's nice is, uh, let's say that if I go into one stand, and then I come out that same exact route. So I've only got one cent trail in and out. And then I leave and I, I come back. Say so I want to go back there a week later. Um and I want to go that same exact route. I still have that breadcrumb trail. And on OnX, you can start and make a breadcrumb trail, but then you lose it as soon as you stop it. In or, or it's always running as an app on your phone and it gets to be overwhelming. Where um with the GPS, it's it's a little nicer for that. Same with, for blood trailing. You want I'm grid searching for deer, if I shoot a deer in the evening, and I run out of blood, and I start grid searching, I got that blue breadcrumb trail on my garment showing me where I'm going, I can then, if I don't find it, I can leave, come back the next morning, and I can pick up right where I was, and I still have that same route saved, that track saved. And it's on there where I'm, you know, I don't know. I, I Maybe I just don't know on X enough. But it seems every time I use a track feature and on X, it's like recording my time, my distance, my everything. And it's always running in the background. Even if I run to the store and come out for lunch or something and come back in, it's recording all of that crap. And it's not that I need it. and It's just running in the background, eating battery on my phone.
2: Yeah, so you can... um what you can do is you, you'll just, whenever you get to wherever you're going, just like you would on your GPS, you just hit stop. And then it's the same on base map. You would just click save and um, then you can actually color code it for different days, different tracks. Um, so you can say, see which time you went in there. Cause like you, like you said, you'll have them just over the course of the season. And when you deviate one way or the other, now uh, I know that there's been an update on Onyx. I don't know, but one thing I found interesting, and I think it would be it, it would be something you might be able to talk about on your podcast as you're you know going through these different um, online mapping softwares and stuff. Um, but with that track, one of the things that I've read uh, of frustrations of Onyx and I, and BaseMap was actually a little bit better. I don't know if they've You know, if Onyx has fixed the problem, but where your GPS actually plots you, uh, you know, I don't know how how many, however many times per, you know, hundred yards or or, or whatever. Um, What was happening to guys on Onyx was it was like cutting the corners. Right. So if you were to go around a bush and then around another bush, you know, within X amount of feet, when you saved the map, it would just make a straight line instead of like yep. that exact path. Uh, so for blood trailing and things like that, um, you know, cause we were comparing, cause like I said, we've just started using base map and, um, everything that we've been using is, has been positive. And we were comparing that, um, when we were at the show in, in Novi, uh, with some of the other guys that were using Onyx, cause that's one of the things that they were most frustrated about was, was that, that Portion right there, so I can see, like, in your situation, how you're using it. That would be, you know, possibly an issue. Um, you know, yeah so
1: yeah, because I didn't, I have on X, I I don't have a lot of experience with it yet. I mean, I can't even figure out how to like get the the, again, because I haven't tried, you know, I'm not like I play with it at home, so I, I loaded it, I downloaded my offline maps, I went to Georgia, I went to South Carolina, but I remember, like, in South Carolina, I wanted to, you know, like, I would mark a waypoint. And, um, um, and then it took me a while. I finally figured out how to color code. I mean, it took me forever to figure out how to get the name to show off, but I was doing it like in the notes, not in a waypoint mm-hmm. name or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, I, and, and like I said, I ran the track log, uh, for some of these real, when I was busting brush, So I knew where I would go. And for so the next pass, I would do trying to find bedded pigs and that super thick, nasty stuff. Um, I, would you know, my next pass, I would try to be, you know, 40 yards over from that and try and parallel it and, you know, almost gritting for pigs in, in the swamps but uh um so it came in real handy because it was right there um i was I'm, I'm not getting rid of it let's put it that way hmm. I, i'm i'm happy i have it and i like it but i'm not also not at the stage where i'm giving up my gps yet and the gps is all my my waypoints and my most important data um the onx is just kind of a quick little bonus It lets me see where i am in in relationship to swamp edges and you know where you know it, it's nice it's a nice feature i like it
2: so so you're telling me that you're kind of like uh in a limbo between uh a family heirloom and uh a Havilon, then.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm old school and you know when I find something that works, I really really stick with it and I don't feel the the need to change. And then like I said, there's a lot of things that are better, but you know, I'm still I am. Like I said, I'm I'm getting older and that stuff gets to be tricky for me. Sometimes I get set in my ways. I don't want to mess with it. I just recorded three videos that are coming out that uh, they're not even out yet. But one of them is why I refuse to hunt with mini climbing sticks. The other one is why I do not use SRT or DRT style hunting and why I don't think I ever would. The third one is why I don't like to hunt out of a saddle. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) I mean, not that any of those things are bad, but they are the rage that everybody is doing today. And there are reasons that I, I'm, I'm not doing them and not interested in them. Not that they're, you know, not that there's anything wrong with them, but my personal reasons why, but again, you know, you just get set in your ways on stuff and you look at some of the things, and you know. I look at things and I'm thinking, man, that's so much work, and I'm you. You don't gain anything from this or that, or so it's really hard for me to find change in a lot of things. It really is. I, you know, when I get a system down and I like it, man, it, it's it's like pulling teeth for me to think even to even try to change it. I'm not a, um, you know, I I don't know. I experiment with a lot of things, but when I find something that works and I think it's the best that it's out there, I really I, I hold on to it pretty tight.
2: Well, and I think that there's. There's a lot to be said for that because we've you know we've talked to you know numerous individuals who are very um, polarizing in in a lot of different realms or genres whether it's you know saddle hunting you know super light tree stand minimalist um, you know gear nerds you know filmers all that stuff but everything lends to whether you're western hunting whitetail hunting it's whatever gives you that confidence. And if you can do it with your eyes closed, blindfolded in the dark, whether it's walking into the spot because you know the property, like the back of your hand, or, you know, you can you can set up your sticks because you know and you can feel what stick one versus two versus four is because this one's got the little burr from when, you know, whatever. You know, that gives you that little bit more confidence and that makes you, more effective. So you know there's a lot of guys um I think I would include myself in this uh to some degree um you know that are bouncing around trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to do this and you know you you find yourself not having that system so then you're a little bit less efficient and then you know it's it's a lot easier to get frustrated and, and you know, second guess yourself and it already puts you in a a bad way before you ever even get started. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, finding a system and sticking with it, I would say.
1: Yep. And that's, that's how I feel too. And like I said, I, I always pay attention to all the trends and what people are doing out there. Like I said, the saddles, I mean, you know, my best friend builds awesome saddles, you know, from Texas. He's got incredible saddles and they're, they're, they're great, but I, I just, I'm not interested in being in one. I don't want to sit in one. I'd rather pack the weight of a stand in, put it up there, especially for my all day sits and and be in a stand, you know, and the same with the the sticks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I watch these guys with the rope methods and I just had a guy on my show uh, that's an arborist for a living and he was talking SRT versus DRT. And so then I started watching, I don't know, I watched probably 150 YouTube videos on guys doing that stuff. And the one consistent thing that I noticed all the time was that in order to do it um, with any kind of rope climbing, I'm looking at it from my hunting standpoint and I'm going, okay, these guys are doing this in their yard and that works great. But when I walk in the woods, when I'm in deep water or when I'm in super crunchy leaves and I'm 80 yards from a bedding area, these guys are walking around a tree, like five times, 10 yard circles, four yard, five yard circles to get these ropes up over, walking back and forth, crunching leaves you know I've ropes on everything on the ground if i'm in water i can't i can't do that you know it's not functional for me so you know i mean there's there's a lot of things like i said that i see people do that may work absolutely fantastic for them but for what i'm doing there's no possible way i could
2: oh for sure and uh, i don't know I, I i continue to be i, I don't know uh humbled um I I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm not sure. We may have mentioned it on the podcast before, but you know, the amount of guys that were in their fifties, sixties, um, that were coming up to us when we were at the Novi show that were buying that new Phantom and they were upgrading from whatever they were using in the past, um, you know, was, was kind of staggering. Um, and there was one gentleman who had to be well into his 60s that, you know, he, he was talking to Ernie, the owner of, of, of Tethered, about, you know, that adjustable bridge on there because he wanted to know if it was suitable for SRT because that's what he's doing. And I've watched the same videos as you are, and I thought the question, the, the, what I thought you were going to see is every guy that I see doing that, is sweating (laughs) by the time that they get to the top. And it, you know, I've, I've yet to see a guy that does it where it's like nice and fluid and it looks, you know, orchestrated. Like they, I mean, these guys know what they're doing. There's, there's no two ways around it, but that, that style to me is not on the radar. You know, I've, I've, I've said it before on here and I, I, I try to, um, get myself, uh, versed in just about everything so that I can speak intelligently or, you know, at least be familiar, uh, with these types of things. And, and that stuff to me is no way. And, and another one is that one stick method. Um, because I don't know, maybe it's one of your, uh, things with the, with the, the short sticks or whatever, but if you've ever kicked a stick off or um, you know, like myself, I've lost the bottom of my climber multiple times. So, um, making that descent in your saddle or your climbing harness, it can be done. Sure. Um, but in no way, shape or form is that like what I would like to be my standard of ascending and descending a tree. Um, you know, and like I say, uh, you know, everybody will just say, well, you've never done it, you know, this way or that way. And it's like, it doesn't really matter. You know, I've, I've climbed with lots of different sticks and I've, I've pretty much landed on the sticks that I like and I'm I'm comfortable doing it. So yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's no reason to, to try and lighten it up if it's going to be, you know, pools of sweat and a, a pain, you know?
1: And the, and the efficiency, the two things that matter to me is the the one, you know, especially I never realized that it was that way till I watched the, the, the SRT and DRT style climbing. But um, when I walk to a tree and I hit the base of the tree and I clip the hip belt on my pack, I, my feet do not move until they go up the tree. So once I step to the base of the tree, I am there and everything is then silent. No scent, no noise. No, not that the scent's a big deal because they're still, even with those rope guys, they're right right tight to the tree pretty close, within five yards of the tree. But I don't move. My feet are there, and I can be standing in knee-deep water and hang my pack on a branch and take everything off or hang it on my lineman belt until I get everything ready. But I mean, I can be in water and doing this, but my feet don't move from the base of the tree. With those rope climbing systems, my God, there's so much activity and noise. It's, I mean, it's everybody, they're always showing it to you in your yard. So then I watched these videos and I'm like, okay, well, let's, I got leaves on the ground out here. So I walk out there and I said, let's just imagine. So I put a piece of cord, and I tied a, a padlock on the end of it. And I wanted to see, it. and I'm like, okay, well, let's see. And all I had to do was, I, I wasn't going to climb the rope, but I just wanted to see the process. And my God, it was, it was, it took me five, six minutes of making so much walking noise to get that rope up and over there and ready. I'm like, maybe I'm not good enough at it, but I don't think I'm ever going to be. Because in the time it took me to just, tie this up and throw it over the tree, pull the rope around, put my uh, running bowline line in it and pull it up and cinch it there. I would have already been in my stand sitting there silent, you know? So, yeah, so it's, you know, I mean, they're all different things. And I will say this too, about the saddle stuff. I know we weren't going to get into these tangents. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, that's um, but, fine. Uh, um, with the saddles, you know, and, and there's going to, when I put that video out there, I hope a lot of people don't throw a fit because I know saddles are the rage, but I will definitely say this too. I said it in that video also um because you had said 50 60 70 year old guys in saddles there is no safer method to be in a tree than in a saddle no tree stand will ever be as safe as a saddle is because if the saddle you take i mean 90% of tree stand fall fatalities falls accidents happen transitioning from the sticks to the stand and vice versa Um, and or falling asleep in a stand that's where 95% probably of all in you know accidents happen. And when you're using a saddle, you cut all of those out of the equation. You climb to height, lock in your tether strap, you're done. And when you're done, you come back down, you're connected 100%, and there is no transitioning like that. So, um, I honestly believe that, uh, that when it comes to the you want to be safe which I think a lot of these guys, I mean, I'm 46 now, but I mean, I got a lot of friends that are, you know, my best friend, John, you know, he's, he's, you know, 57 years old. And, you know, a lot of friends I know are getting up there and I'll tell you what they for them, the saddles offer that security blanket of knowing that they are, you know, it's the safest system out there. So there's a lot to be said for that.
2: Well, And, and with everything that we're, we're talking about right now, I just want for the listeners, like if you're doing SRT, if you're climbing with one stick, if you're, Doing all this stuff, and you know it goes back to what we said. if that's what you've landed on and that's where you're confident and that's what makes you most effective by all means and if it's something that you're you're looking forward to and that's something that you won't you want to try out, go for it, but we're just kind of outlining our personal thoughts on why it doesn't
1: uh what well, you're right. I mean, like I said, my best friend hunts out of his saddle every single time. He doesn't even use a tree stand. He's always in a saddle. I'm always in a stand. I got buddies, you know, you know and I just had on the podcast, you know, he's, he he all he does is SRT, period. That's the only way he climbs. And then I got buddies, uh, you know, uh, Ember over at Boat Hunting Souls. So all he does is a one-stick method like you're talking about every single time. And then uh, I got a lot of friends that are running, that love the mini sticks. So you like you said, 100%, it is all personal preference and personal opinion. And there's a lot of great systems out there. But I mean, you know, for me, again, old dog, new tricks. I'm in the way I am. I can be in a tree in three and a half minutes with my setup in any kind of situation and environment. I, I don't need anything else. You know, that's what works for me.
2: Right, right. Now, one other thing, and I, I don't want to make this a real long uh, thing, but I just know that I'm probably going to get questions. When you when you talked about fatwood, you know, people aren't probably familiar with that, like I said, unless they've really delved into the bushcraft or whatever. So they're going to be like, fatwood, where do I buy this? How do I do this? What is, you know, what is it? Uh, you said that's one of the things that doesn't weigh anything. It's, it's good to have. It, it's better to know how to find, but...
1: <laughs> right it is better to, it, and i i'll be honest with you i i used to process my own and i don't anymore it, it grows in the you know in the base of the limbs of uh, pine trees um but i i don't do that anymore i actually i buy it you can buy a 25 pound box of this stuff on amazon for like 10 bucks okay you know and i use it that's what i start all my wood stove fires with for my uh on my hunting trip it's nice i li- use it literally like a match i don't use any Paper or you know, kindling or uh, tinder or anything like that. You know, I come home from hunting and walk into my tent. I take uh, you know, three pieces of that, I stack them in there in the teepee. I take one piece, I light it with my lighter and put it right in the middle of that, and then I start putting wood in. Um, so fat wood just it's really it's it's pine wood soaked with pine resin and it burns really well. Well, one of the biggest issues is trying to start a fire even with a lighter in the rain, okay? It's it's really hard to do. And you don't have to do it all the time but there are occasions where i need to um especially when you get into the freezing rains and the cold weather and if i'm out there working an animal even you know you kill it you kill a deer in the evening in missouri and i'm i'm literally you know I'm, i'm a mile and a half you know up and down two ridges from my car and i got an animal there and i have to bone it out your hands are freezing it's cold you know what having a fire there is pretty nice especially in the rain well, I fought to try and find a way to actually make that fire work real well, um, you know, with that kind of stuff. So, but that you take that piece of fat wood, and it is literally about the size of a fat pencil, or think of a contractor's pencil, that square wooden pencil. That's about the size of a piece of fat wood I carry. Um, but what I do is what just put it. If you picture it, I take my knife and I put it on the right in the middle of that thing, and I split it like into two. And then I take that one piece of it. And then what I do is I scrape off some shavings of that pine resin and I put it on a piece of bark or a leaf or something like that. So I collect it all. And then what I do is I find a stump or a down piece of log, something. I take my knife, I stick the tip of my knife in there and I smack the back of that knife with my hand or with a log just to put a divot, like a little, you know, stick, stab that tip into that log. And then I whittle that tip off or that uh, point onto that piece of fat wood, and I put it into that piece of log. So it's sticking up. So the log is there. And then I got a piece of fat wood sticking up like a pencil, like you stabbed a pencil into a into a counter or something. Okay. Well then I put all those chips right at the base of it. When I light those chips and then they are going to burn and then they're going to light that piece of fat wood. The flame that comes off of that piece of straight up and down pencil sized piece of fat wood will literally reach eight, 10, 12 inches in height and it will burn for four or five, six minutes. So it gives me this huge, hot, heating, powerful flame that will actually let me make my fires in the rain. It's incredible. It's just such a great system. I did a video on it. I have it shown. It's on my website under what did I uh uh I, I'll have to look I'll look while we're talking and I'll tell you what video it was that I did it in. Um but uh but it's it's such an incredible thing. And like I said that that piece of fat wood weighs about the same weight as a number two pencil. You know, it's just very lightweight because it's pine. It's very soft and, and very lightweight, but it is one heck of a tool to have. With
2: you. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it it's one of those things. Like if you've messed around with bushcraft or uh, any sort of that outdoorsy, I don't know, preppery type stuff, I guess um, it, it ends up. You know, it, and it's a it's a fun thing to do with your kids to go out and you know, try and find some, it's, it, you know, we're, we're here in Michigan. So everything's, you know, pine trees and the lower limbs are always dead and facing up. So it's, you know, you can just break it off, look at it and you can smell it. Um, but you can certainly buy it too, but, um, yeah, it, it, yeah.
1: And catching it is death or, you know, it's, it's a fun family event to go out and, and find it, you know, in the, in the process it yourself, it's definitely a, you know, get you out there and doing stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I, I feel like, you know, that's a, a pretty good rundown of the things that you've got, you know, in your pack as a, as a regular, um, on a, a regular hunt. Um, and like I say, there's, you know, there's guys that, you know, say, well, I just bring a knife, a compass and, uh, you know, whatever I've got on me, you know, as my normal, you know, everyday pocket knife or whatever. Um, so with the the situation that we're in today and you know like i said there's a, a little bit of uh preparedness and and all of that you know i think a lot of people are are realizing you know what things they wish they would have had you know or the, you know for for us as hunters you know our freezers are usually full and we are, we're, we tend to be more i don't know earthy people, you know, outdoorsmen, you know, the are a lot of foraging and, you know, you can live off the land or whatever. That's something I think we, a lot of us take pride in. Um, but on, on that note, I guess, wh- where do you stand with like the, the preparedness stuff? And like when we talked a little bit about um, uh, everyday carry and, and stuff like that, do you, do you carry uh, the stuff that's in your pack when you go in hunting? This is in addition to all of the other things that you have on your person?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, what I, my EDC that I carry with me every single day, um, I always have a flashlight with me. Um, it's a, it's a Eagle Pack single cell CR 123 uh, flashlight. It's called a D uh, a D, uh, D 25 clicky is what it's called. And it's an incredible light. I've been carrying the same style. I mean, I buy a new one every couple of years because they get better LEDs, but I've been carrying an EagleTac D25 Clicky flashlight for about 13 years now. It's the only flashlights I carry. Uh, They're about $45, and they're just rock-solid, bulletproof. We used to take them back in the day. We'd go swimming with the kids at a pool, like at a Holiday Inn. And I would turn this thing on and I would throw it as far as I could out into the deep end of the pool and they would dive down and get it, bring it back to me. I'd throw it again. Um, I mean, the thing's just indestructible, but they'd bounce it off the concrete. They're just awesome and, uh, flashlights. So I always carry a flashlight. Um, I always have a knife with me um, all the time, usually an S.V. Azula or this Bradford Guardian I've been carrying for the last few months. I really like. Um, and uh, so I always have that. I always have a lighter with me. Um, I always have a fire starter connected to my, it's on my key ring. It's a little mini one, little, about an inch long Phariseum rod, but I always carry that on there. Um, I have a magnifying glass, uh, inside of my wallet that I carry, which is another fire starting thing. And it also helps me find ticks. And it's also notched uh, with a, a V notch in it to remove ticks. So that's always in my wallet. Um, and, uh, and then I always carry a little multi-tool. It's very small. It goes in your pocket. It's uh, made by Swiss Tech, but it's got a Phillips screw, two Phillips screwdrivers and uh, two flatheads and a small pair of pliers. And it just fits right in my pocket, too. So those are with me every single minute, everywhere I go. And then uh, as far as handguns, depends on what's the mood I'm in. I'll be 100% honest. Um, when I'm downstate, I still carry every single time I'm down there. Um, but, and, and I used to carry all the time at home, but realistically now it's, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I go between a, a Glock 26, nine millimeter, and I go between a, uh, I got a custom Ruger custom LCP, um, 380 that fits right in my pocket. And I'm not going to lie. I end up carrying that little 380 more than anything else these days, where two years ago, I, you couldn't find, even in my house, sleeping on the couch, I'd have a, a Glock 26 on my side, but I'm getting a little lazy with that stuff lately. <laughs>
2: So all of that stuff, uh, you know, I, we've had, uh, some of our listeners, um, actually message me about some of the things that you, you know, on your podcast, you know, saying like, Hey, have you seen this? And, you know, it, he, he recommended this and, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm similar. I don't go so far as the, uh, magnifying glass and stuff like that, but like I say, I'm, uh, more, you know, on our podcast, I'm the, I'm the cheap one. So I'm, I'm on the, the lower end scale of that. Uh, <laughs> I I have a, uh, what is it? Um, it's a, it's a Spyderco. It's like $45 and it's everything I thought I didn't want in a knife. Um, it's got G10 scales. It's a liner lock. It's not a flipper. Um, and it is, the best knife that I've ever had. Um, as far as like, you know, durability, you know, it's lightweight, it's not heavy. I, I mean, I just, I just love that knife. I used to carry a, um, uh, a little mini multi-tool, but with traveling and flying and stuff, I, it's been from pack to pack to pack to pack and I've, I've lost it, but I carry a, a Swiss army, uh, Bantam in my wallet. Um, just the, I know I've heard you talk about it on your your podcast, but that's the that's my pen knife. That's the knife when you don't need a knife. I mean, I'm a pharmacist, so if I whip out a some sort of tactical right. knife or something like that, it's not always appropriate. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but the as, as far as flashlights go, I I thought that that was the stupidest thing. I was like, why do you need a flashlight? And for anybody that's listening and that thinks that, um, carry a flashlight around for a week and see how many times you use it. How many times you wished that you had it. I mean, I use mine just about every day and I've went through a bunch of them. Like, what are they? Like the, the prions, prions, whatever. Um, and then some of the, the Surefire lights and stuff like that. And uh, I found actually a little uh, single triple AAA uh, through night. It's like a TI3 or something like that. Yeah. yep. And it's like 17 bucks. And the only thing I don't like about it is the clips are cheap and they just fall off. So I end up just having it in my pocket. But, I mean, that's every single day for me. And I've went through, I feel like, just about every single carry handgun known to man and i end up back with the lcp every day all the time just because it disappears um, yeah
1: you just drop it in your pocket it's like you know you come in a house to grab your car keys and you throw that in your pocket you're good to go it's just right there you know mm-hmm. um something to think about with the clips you know i i no longer like i you know i would mix i carry a lot of bench maids too mm-hmm. um because i like them being left-handed that access lock works really good for me um, this new VV I bought, I, I bought, I'm, I'm re- really loving this knife. Now it's my, it's my dressier knife. I bring this on the weddings because when I pull an Azula out at a wedding, especially mine mm-hmm. being, uh, um, where I've done the, uh, um, patina on it and stuff, it looks, people are, they get freaked out at that knife. So, um, this, uh, Civivi Elementum is a great classy gentleman's type knife, but still really rugged D2 steel and strong. And it's only 50 bucks. I, I'm real happy with it but uh but when you carry a knife in it with a belt clip or with you know with a pocket clip um i lost one last year was it no it was two years two or three years ago but i was in the swamp and walking through and i had, must have had a piece of dogwood or something grab that and yanked that clip right off and i lost that knife and that was a bench made custom doug ritter version and it had uh aluminum scales on it that i put on it. i mean i had like 350 bucks in that knife you know it was so sweet and uh gone somewhere in the swamp just ripped right out of my pocket so if you're carrying something with a pocket clip watch that stuff i mean anything that can grab that um you know a, a vine on a branch anything like that it'll pull it right out of your pocket you'll never even know about it
2: yeah i've lost a bunch of um flashlights like that and a few different kershaws and stuff like that um the The knife that I carry is the Spyderco Tenacious. That's the one. Yep. And like I said, for forty bucks, it's it's really hard to beat. And when you said that you lost that 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 knife, um, I was trying to think if that's the one that I like. There's one like on my on my short list, and that's about the way that I would I'd build it. But I think I like the older ones. Not, isn't there a Pardue? Um, yeah,
1: there is a Pardue that has aluminum scales. Now this, I was using my, the one I lost was a, it was basically a mini griptillion, mm-hmm. but it was made by Doug, or it was a Doug Ritter uh, special edition. So it had uh, S30V steel and it was also a, uh, or I'm sorry, M390 steel. And it was, uh, there was no false edge on the top. So it was a complete hard uh full spine all the way to the tip it was basically a a, doug ritter was is a big survival guy and it was his special version collaboration with uh benchmade so it's a pretty sweet pretty special knife and like i said to lose it i was pretty pissed you know but i don't have any safe queens. i don't buy something to just have it if i buy it i'm going to use it and try and break it and then keep using it and you know so i wasn't going to not use that knife but i mean i had a lot of money into it i was really proud of it i'm not going to lie Mm-hmm. And it was gone, you just ripped right out of my pocket. But yep. yeah, but a nice one to look at. You ever get in the mood for a new something to play with? But it's a flipper style too, which I really like. But that's a Elementum, C Vivi with a C, it's C I V I V, the I Savivi, and uh, it's an Elementum, but it's a perfect EDC size knife, very classy, very thin, very lightweight, G10 scales, liner lock, flipper style, D2 blade. I mean, that little knife for 50 bucks ball bearing pivot. I mean, I'm playing with it right now. That thing's just straight up incredible.
2: Yeah. I saw that on your Instagram. That, that was one that really did catch my eye. I like the, um, the Ray Lacanico Jasmine's if I was going to spend yep. a lot of money and then Kaiser makes one, um, yep. a, a, a copy. I think it's like a hundred bucks. Um, the problem that I have with like, I, I like, I really like a titanium scale knife. Or even the aluminum scale, like that's what I would do if I was to buy one of those. Because uh, I, I like I, those mini grip tilians are really nice, and I like that sheep's foot or sheep's foot style blade um, right. on the ones that they have. Um, but they're so bulky. I, I don't like the grip on them, so I do like those those scales. But they're just so slippery. Um, yeah. You know, if you're like you said, if it's in the rain, if it's you know you're sweating, if you're doing anything with it um, you know, you get blood on it or whatever. I, it's just, you know, not ideal, but, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a nerd, um, when it comes to, to, it's, it's funny and I, I'm pretty sure that you're the same as, you know, you don't hunt with guns, but I just, you know, I'm a gun guy at heart and yeah. th- and then I think the gun and knife thing kind of goes to the same. Now, it, me being on the the cheaper end, I don't I I'm always looking at the more inexpensive like handguns and carry guns and this is like a real tangent. And you you I I don't know if you're still doing stuff on your your channel with it. I know that you've done a lot of uh gun videos, but I know that there's like it's a, it's a big no-no on YouTube and they could pull your stuff just super easy. Have you messed around with any of the lower end um, handguns or
1: yeah I've shot a, I've shot so I'm I'm like you I mean I'm real big into it I even have my own steel range at the house with uh, 13 or 14 steel targets and you know I mean I'm real big into that I shoot a lot Um, but I don't do much of the video stuff anymore two reasons one is because YouTube uh, frowns on that and like I said I you know I, I don't want to have my channel be less searched and things like that and gun videos have a tendency to do that they can change that at any time so i just choose to not do much of the gun stuff on my youtube channel um and then the other reason too is man the gun crowds they you get a lot of people out there that you you know that just there's a lot of armchair experts and a lot of you know just some of the comments you get on some even some of the gun videos i got already just make you want to pull your hair out it's like not worth the headache sometimes so Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but as far as shooting, I've shot a lot of them. I'll tell you what, still, even to this day, and I'll bet you can still get it for this price or pretty close to, but, um, if, you know, if, if, if somebody that doesn't have any guns, that's looking or looking for a great carry gun in the cheapest possible way, um, go to like, uh, Kentucky or the sportsman's outdoor superstore.com. And, uh, you can find a, a shield M and P nine millimeter shield, uh, version two, for like 240 bucks on sale every other month they're on sale for like 240 bucks maybe if you don't you catch it at a bad time it's like 289 but these things are incredible guns um i don't actually own one but a bunch of my friends do and i'll tell you what they are incredible guns for like 200 under 250 bucks um and they they carry well they shoot incredible i've i've watched I, have myself have probably shot 5,000 rounds through one, even though I don't even own one and uh, they never fail. Um, and they're concealable. I mean, you know, I mean, it's funny cause I tell my daughter, I'm like, well, when you move out, you know, she's, she's only 18, but it's like, when you get your own place, if these deals still go on, I might just buy you 10 of these and I'll be mounting them in every room in your house. You know, <laughs> they will be right there, you know, but I mean, you can't beat the price. So, um, I, I think that's probably the steel of the century, um you know as far as as far as guns out there but uh there's i mean there's so many good ones but that gun for 200 under 250 bucks and then you just have it shipped to your llc dealer by you and you pay him 20 bucks to pick it up that's all you got to do you know sweet and easy
2: well what's the difference between the the regular P shield and the 2.0
1: uh, just some i i think it's a little different little refinements in the trigger a uh, little more serration on the slide, a couple little cosmetic things, but it was mainly in a trigger. Um, and I think they might've even changed the recoil spring again. I don't own either of them. I'm, I'm a Glock guy because of the fact that I want all my sis, sister- you know, we have, I don't know, I think we're up to 16 or 18 different Glocks. And I like the fact that they're all feel the same grip angle, same trigger. Everything about them is the same. And we got every, you know, we got a lot of nines, 45s and tens and, uh, I like that I can pick up a full-size 10-millimeter, shoot it, and then go grab a, uh, you know, handguns other than, you know, our twenty twos and revolver, you know, some of that stuff. But as far as any defensive guns, I have switched everything over to basically being straight-glocked. That's all all we shoot or all we own anymore but uh like I said a lot of friends come over with a lot of different guns and I've seen a ton another one at P uh Sig Sauer P365 that is a great gun my my brother actually carries two of them on him every single day everywhere he goes now he's got two of those one on a hip and one on an ankle and uh he loves those guns they they shoot like a champ too and they're they're cheap they're like you know they come with knife types and everything and they're like 450 bucks you know
2: mhm yeah i i've got Just a ton of guns, (laughs) and so I've got.
1: You mentioned uh, that LCP. I have. We have here at the house. I think we got five LCPs. You know, we (laughs) have the original one from like 15 years ago when I bought it. Um, and then we have. Then they came out with a second version that had a little bigger sights on it. Still the not the LCP two, but the original. But like 10 years after it came out, they improved it a little bit. We bought a couple of those, and then they came out with that custom one which has got the refined red anodized uh, trigger Mm -hmm. and it has a super high sights on it. That's the one I carry every day. I love it. Um, And then they came out with the LCP two, which is also a good one, but I mean that gun, I I bet you, we have shot between five of these LCPs. I'll bet no joke. We've put 10,000 rounds through these guns. Never one time did I ever have any malfunction or any failure of any kind.
2: Now, did you see that they made a new, um, the LCP two, in a in a 22 and the low recoil yeah, did. yeah. Yep. i was surprised yep. by that but yeah I, I think it's
1: good but i'm not
2: a fa- the only thing the
1: issue i have is i just don't trust rimfire in a life life or death situation you know i don't i think a 22 i think when you shoot somebody they don't care what you shot them with they realize they're shot and they're stopping um or they're gonna you know it's gonna have some kind of an impact it's gonna make a difference but i do not like i don't trust rimfire fire on a, on that kind of a situation you know
2: yeah, I I totally get that. I just think uh, as far as like, uh, I think the design for it is like a, a as a trainer. Um, and the same thing goes, you know, they make that, um, the Smith & Wesson M&P, it's a full size in 22, but it's... I
1: have it's, it. Yeah, I love that gun.
2: Yeah. And, and it's in yeah. four, you know, uh, all of the getting familiar with it and everything, you know, the same the same thing applies, you know, you can just pick up, you know, whichever other platform you have in that M and P and shoot it. And
1: now they got the, they got the Glock 22 also. I haven't bought that one yet. I'm waiting for them to, you know, I don't want to be the Guinea pig on it. And (laughs) I've heard some good and bad, but that Smith and Wesson, uh, 22 M and P, um, You know, we have that one and we have that original and then we got the compact one. But that original is our no- that gun. I'm not going to lie. We're still on this original recoil spring and everything in there. And I'll bet it's got 40 or 50,000 rounds through this thing. I mean, mm-hmm. that gun has been shot so much in the last six or seven years that we've had it. And again, it's it runs like a top. You know, you can't go wrong with that kind of stuff. But 22s are fun.
2: Yeah. And again, like. I, I've got. you you know friends that you know end up having a you know they with the gun guys you're going to get everything you know so they're going to say a 380 is not a real gun um there is there is a legitimate you know inherent risk uh with carrying a 22 but you know something like um you know one of the lcrs or something like that a 22 revolver you know if if you're it's going to be you know better than nothing better than the gun in the car better than whatever and being a revolver it does it's not going to fail to cycle the next round you know where in anything automatic you're going to have a a, you know a failure failure Um, and there's
1: a lot of people that carry you know like my wife for example you know she refuses to carry with one in the pipe you know and uh, even though she you know i mean she's married to me i mean she trains a lot and shoots a lot and you know, but she just will not, you know, because she first carries and she will not carry with one in the pipe on any of her guns. And it's like, you know, then you should carry a revolver is what I say. But she won't, you know, to each her own and they do their own thing. But in my opinion, if you're going to carry a, uh, you know, if you're going to carry a semi-auto, you better have it, in, you know, in a condition ready to shoot and ready to go. Um, If not, a revolver, like you said, might be a right way to go because trying to rack a slide in the heat of the moment and not short cycle it or have all these. There's just so many variables that can come into play, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the same goes, you know, it, it, it's a long rabbit hole, but off body carry and, you know, all sorts of every other thing. And I, I can see why, you know, not um, putting yourself not putting out there <laughs> yeah. and, 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 yep. and <laughs> subjecting yourself to that is, is the way to go. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, that's it's just kind of what I wanted to wanted to talk with you about, like I said, people have got extra, extra time to organize their gear. You know, people are, they got their seasons, you know, a lot of time to, to look at, you know, what they've got coming up and to kind of reorganize, re reconsider. Um, you know, John, he couldn't be on here, but he, he carries a grunt tube, a pair of binoculars and a knife and that's about it. And the knife right. would be, you know, probably something he couldn't name or, a A buck 110 from when he was 15 years old or something, you know, just right, right down to the, to the bare bones of it. And then you've got my father-in-law who would carry the kitchen sink, you know, he's got two sandwiches and, uh, you know, a thermos and, you know, a thermos from last time. And then, you know, extra clothes and extra clothes and extra clothes. And I've, I've fallen into that, that trap myself. So like I said, uh, for you being a a gear centric guy and building a system over many 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 hunts um i was just curious to see you know what kind of consistencies that you had and what what you could kind of um i don't know how you could direct um the listener and and, and you know myself you know just as much cuz like i say for for all of these podcasts that we do I mean it's a little bit different in a sense you know a, a lot of your podcasts it's just you talking and so you know you're giving out the information that you've gathered over you know all of these years and, and all these things but for me when I have a guest on I'm as much taking the information as it is for the listener so I, I appreciate you coming out here and, and chatting with me about about that stuff and like uh, like we talked about i i knew this was going to be a a fairly easy one for you
1: <laughs> right and you're right you know that it's it's the same here on its end you know i mean if i go to let's say you know just look at missouri i go to missouri i had uh my buddy joe with me and i had steve who builds my bow steve ture northern miss longbows he was down there with me um you got all ends of the spectrum you have uh you have steve who walks in the woods with a back quiver on him you know he carries a back or he has a back quiver on his back he throws it he grabs his tree stand by the by the frame and just you know hucks it out there and carries it that way no straps or nothing on it and on the same note he has a headlamp in his pocket and he put it you know if he's going out he says i'm going for an all-day sit he'll stick a water bottle in his coat pocket and a granola bar in his back pocket he's out there and that's it um and then uh you have, you know, me who is organized, systematic, everything's in its right pocket, put where it's supposed to be. Then you have my buddy, Joe, who literally, like you said, I mean, he's got stuff in there from, he's probably got four camera bodies in there from, you know, doing photography work, you know, a month before that, that he forgot to take out of there, you know, he needs a 6,000, you know, cubic inch bag to go on a deer hunt, you know, so you have, each of avenue of everybody on there and there is no right or wrong it's just whatever is comfortable to you you know just like we said with the mini stick saddles srt you know it, it none of it matters it is all just personal pre- opinion and preference find what works for you if you here's the way i look at it with the pack stuff and with my pocket stuff if i carry it for a week and i haven't used it in a week i don't need to carry it anymore you know, if I go on if I hunt and I go on three hunts and I haven't used it, like for example, a grunt tube. I never carry a grunt tube. I can grunt with my mouth and I can do an extra spleet with my mouth. Um, and I can bleat with my mouth. So there's no reason for me to have to carry a, a deer call at all. For how limited time I use them, I make them with my mouth. I practice it actually, so that I can do pretty good at it. And I do it with my mouth and uh so I don't that's one last thing I gotta carry. But um, so if you're not carrying this stuff, then uh, and you're not using it other than Your survival kit, which you may want some, you know, cotton ball soaked in petroleum jelly, some tinder in case of a, you know, something along those lines. But if it's not something like that, you know, if you're not using it regularly, then don't carry it. It's not worth it.
2: Well, uh, for myself 90 percent of my hunts i'd have to leave my kill kit at home <laughs> <laughs> right. you
1: know, that goes in with the survival kit that's that's like that's like with the camera it's a bonus i don't carry a camera anymore i'm a photographer and i don't even carry a camera i just use my cell phone for everything they do so good, you know but oh and then i was going to tell you too the magnifying glass it is a credit card size thinner than a credit card you get them at You 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 know pharmacist you probably get them at like Rite Aid Walmart uh, any I think I buy mine at Walmart but they're like next to nothing but I'll tell you what I use that thing all the time if you get a splinter working in the garage or something or if I you know load the trailer and I get a splinter and I can't see it I pull that little magnifying glass out that thing just straight up rocks it's awesome and uh, like I said you just in the corner of it carve a v-notch you get ticked on it, and you can pop them off You can actually look in there close and see how well in there, if they started to expand it all. you can see everything with it. I I love that little credit card. It's like a dollar for each one of them. I've been carrying the same one for like four years. And then eventually after like four years and your wallet on the inside pocket starts to get scratched up from sand, you just buy a new one.
2: Yeah. I'll definitely have to look into that. Like I said, I, I mean, I've, I've been down the rabbit hole, um, and I've carried just about everything, but that's the one thing that I haven't, uh, I, I didn't end up putting in any of my, my kits. I don't think was a, uh, was that. So I'll definitely yeah. do that in the way that the ticks are this year. Um, I, that's definitely a good, <laughs> a good plan.
1: Um, yeah. Well, you can also notch any, uh, any cards too. Like, uh, you know, if you got a business card, business cards are a little flimsy, but if you got a credit card in there, um, most of them are chip red now. So if in the corner of it, but you put a little eighth inch long, piece of pie triangle cut in there um it makes a perfect tick key to pull ticks off you know you just slide it right up from the butt side of them right up to the mouth get that mouth of them right in that v and then just start prying up and you'll pop them right out nice slow and easy without leaving anything behind
2: awesome awesome yeah
1: because i mean i deal with the ticks all the time and if you can you get ticks on you like that and they're already sunk in if you get them uh try to save them you know i keep a pill bottle in my car um, and, uh, so if I get a tick on me, I'll usually leave it till I get back to the car. And then when I get to the car, I pull them off and put them in there. And that way, if anything were to happen now for their dog ticks, if they're the big dog ticks, I don't care. I pop them right off all the time. But if I get a, the smaller deer ticks and I get a deer tick in me, I usually will save them, um, until I get back to the car and, or in anything I can, or, you know, whatever I got to put them in, but it's good to save those just in case that way, if you do come down with any symptoms, Lyme disease or anything like that. Um, if you have the tickets nice they can test it.
2: Yeah, that's and there's some crazy stuff, you know. I you know, we we uh when we were at ATA we talked to um you know, from the hunting public, Mindy, and she was talking about how she's uh allergic to red meat because of the you know, whatever the disease is that comes from ticks and it's like man in a a group of people that kill so many deer and they live off of, you know, a lot of wild game that would just be terrible, yep. you know? Yep.
1: Yep. And I mean, there's, I know a lot of loggers, you know, back, I mean, they, they, not so much, I don't see, here are too many cases these days, but uh, I know loggers that have it, you know, and, and they have Lyme disease and they got it because it ticks and it's nothing to mess with and it's pretty serious um, thing. And it's, it, you know, so like I said, it's uh, and if they catch it early enough, it's usually they can do some stuff for it, I guess. And I've never had it, but it's, it's always good to, you know, if you get those little bitty ticks on you, those little deer ticks, um it's it's not a bad idea to save them just put them in a pill container let them sit there let them you know they'll they'll die quick and they just sit in there but um it's just nice to keep them and then at the end of the year i dump that out and it's half full of you know i usually get 25 30 50 ticks a year on me but um you know i'll, I'll dump them out but you know i try and save them save them for a little while anyway
2: <laughs> yeah i bet your wife loves getting in your car but
1: the worst part is in bed. In bed, she gets so mad because, like, I come home and, you know, and then I wake up in the middle. I wake up in the morning and she'll be like, "What is on? You You have a tick on your face." I'm like what? <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Yeah, she gets so. And then so she in she changes the sheets when it's spring scouting season. Like right now she changes the sheets like every single day. She's like, I don't trust you coming back in from the woods. And I, I do, I check, you know, but I'm, I mean, I take a shower in the morning. I don't take one at night. So if they're, if they happen to be in some remote little hidden nook or cranny, they, they might be there in the morning too. <laughs> Man. Oh,
2: well that, that's a ton of great information, Jason. I really appreciate having you on here again. And, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to this blowing over and then sometime this summer heading over there and, and doing some bow fishing with you. That's yep, uh, it's that season. So, something to look forward to. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about your, uh, your turkey season here. You said you're going to go buy a license. So, uh. Um, well, I think
1: I'm going I'm to I'm buy my daughter a license. I, I'm me personally. I'm, I don't think I, I don't know. I might buy a tag and I might give it a try, but I'm focusing hard on the, the bow fishing and, and, you know, some of that other stuff and trying to figure out how to put some money back in with this virus thing. But, uh, but I think I'm going to buy one for my daughter and I'm going to take her out. She's, she wants to try it pretty bad. So, uh, I think that's what I'm going to do. So I may not have one, but I'm hoping to get her into one.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we got for this evening. Where can people follow along with, uh, everything you're doing if they're, if they're not already
1: uh anywhere online if you just type in traditional bow hunting and wilderness podcast it'll bring you to my youtube channel it'll bring you to my website which is tbwpodcast.com but it'll bring you, you know it's you just type in traditional bow hunting and wilderness podcast and it'll pop you up to anything i got but uh youtube video for all the the videos or youtube channel for all the videos and uh, for the uh, podcasts and stuff like that it's uh, com. or your stitcher, itunes, iHeartRadio. Are you on iHeartRadio? I just got on there. That's pretty cool. They, I filled out their app and went through that. I don't know if you're on there yet or not, but it's pretty cool.
2: I'll have to take a look. I I, I feel like we're on like everything, but I don't know. I've I think been... you got
1: to do that one. Yeah, I think that one's an individual one. It's not done through like your, you know, your Blueberry or Libsyn or anything like that. I think you actually have to physically go do it. And I did. It was pretty easy, and it only took like a week or two for approval. And um, but it's pretty sweet. But I get a lot of people that that follow along through iHeartRadio, so that's kind of a cool one.
2: I'll have to check that out. Awesome. Yep. (laughs) All right, Jason. Well, thanks for stopping by today.
1: I appreciate you having me on. Thanks.
0: for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.